WCCO Radio and the Star Tribune Editorial Board have worked together for years. We continue that association right here. John Rash and Pat Lopez from the Star Tribune both are on the Centerpoint Energy Home Service Plus Hotline. A pleasure to chat with both of you as always. Pat, I will start with you. Biggest story involving the Capitol, involving the House and Senate and the uh, races last night. What is the biggest story? Well, I, you know, the um, uh, Republicans made some serious inroads onto the Minnesota uh, majority. Uh, and how did they do that? What stood out the most? Well, um, you know, they uh, they picked up a number of uh, of close seats. You know, these in many cases were not huge wins, but they managed to get enough to flip it. And I think you saw a pretty clear line between uh, rural and urban. And also, uh, it looked to me last night like there were a number of ticket splitters. There were people that chose Biden at the top, but then went ahead and picked a Republican um, House member. So uh, it's it's very instructive. I mean, it tells me that this state and this nation continue to be incredibly polarized. Um, and we are just going to have this kind of close uh, flipping for, for some time to come. Nobody is uh, a clear, there's no clear mandate, uh, you know, clear, broad mandate as to which way this country is going to go ideologically. And, and, John, what it sets up is we still will have a divided legislature. We have a governor, a Democrat. We have a huge budget deficit coming up because of COVID. We're headed for more acrimony next year in St. Paul. It's remarkable how it mirrors the national scene if current trends continue. The chief executive will likely be Democratic if Joe Biden uh, is able to hang on in some of these Midwestern states, just as Governor Wallace is a Democrat. The House has a has a Democratic majority, both in Washington and St. Paul, and the Senate a Republican majority. One of the key differences is, unlike Washington, which can continue to deficit spend, the state has to balance its budget, and so they have to come together in some kind of compromise. And you look at the acrimony over the last two years, and those were relatively flush times, often with a budget surplus. We have the inverse of that now with a coronavirus-triggered calamity on our hands, both in terms of health, of course, also economic. And so we have this big deficit they're going to need to try to contend with that as well as somehow come together in terms of mitigating the pandemic itself. Horrible numbers being reported today in terms of the mm -hmm. tragedy of deaths as well as rising case counts and um, the percentage of people who are testing who are positive at this point. We're surrounded by states that are doing even worse. So it's likely that Governor Walls is going to continue to implement some of the emergency measures. It's likely that some of the pushback will continue from Republican leaders as well as some of the public. So they've got to come together on some of these issues, let alone the fact that in the next legislative session, they have to work on redrawing districts because of the census. And then we all come back and do it all over again in two years because of those new districts. And oh, by the way, there's a gubernatorial election at that point, which may involve a member of the legislature, depending on who decides to run. So 
there certainly is a lot of action in Washington, but boy, there's going to be a lot in St. Paul as well. Well, and of course, the concern is that they don't come together, that they just continue fighting uh, one another and, uh, you know, just trying to do a flat out, uh, you know, turnover so that one one party can be decisively in control. And my concern is that, you know, the more they they are rewarded for being on the margins like this, the less likely they are to come to the middle. And that that I think is a serious problem both here in Minnesota and across the country. John, uh, Donald Trump uh, beats, uh, Donald Trump loses, excuse me, to Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, Donald Trump loses to Joe Biden in 2020, but the margin was significantly more in favor of Biden compared to that smaller margin for Clinton over Trump in 16. Why do you think that was? Well, I think part of it is that Vice President Biden was a more nimble and and relatable candidate than Secretary Clinton was, certainly across the country and especially here in Minnesota as well. And, you know, he was able to turn the election on a national basis and again here at home into more of a referendum on the president, whereas four years ago, President Trump was quite successful in turning, turning it into a binary election where it was a choice election between Secretary Clinton and Donald Trump. Both of them at that point, of course, had very well-known scandals you know, in their past and, and flaws that we all have as humans. They certainly had as candidates, and he was able to position it differently. This time, it was much more of a referendum on the president. You have a slightly different electorate every four years, and so that comes into the calculus as well. But it clearly still is and will likely remain to be a state in play relative to how it was a generation or so ago, which is why both candidates made so many visits here to the state of Minnesota. So my sense is is that both parties will continue to have this on their target list, especially because of the aforementioned success Republicans had, both in terms of the state legislature and retaining control of the Mm -hmm. Senate, as well as we're evenly cleaved in terms of representatives. We have eight that we send to Washington for Republicans, now for Democrats, which seems to fit the voting profile of the state at this point. Two of those races uh, are still undecided. Just want to point out they've not been officially called by AP yet. Yeah, they haven't, but uh, the margin is is enough that it it appears to be clear, but but you're right. AP has not called it, but they are getting further and further apart the more votes Mm -hmm. come in. Uh, Tina Smith defeats Jason Lewis. Lewis Mm -hmm. closer to Smith than Trump was to Biden. Pat, when you look at that race, Smith wins. What stood out most to you? Um, You know, I I think what stood out was that, uh, you know, even though Tina Smith uh, labored against an image that, uh, I'm sorry, of uh, Lewis trying to portray her as some mad socialist, um, she was able to uh, come back against that. I think that's probably where her years as lieutenant governor and, you know, her previous years in the Senate and her record um, stood in her favor. Jason Lewis aligned himself very closely um, with Trump, and that may have hurt him in some areas that have, um, you know, some Trump fatigue. He did better, I think, than expected, and that's because Jason had, um, you know, a term in the U.S. House of his own. And so he, too, was able to push back against 
you know, sort of cartoon characterizations of himself. Um, it's it's a reflection of the, you know, polarization in the state at large. He drew heavier in rural areas. She drew uh, heavily in the same areas where Biden was successful, um, populous cities, um, you know, close in suburbs. Um, you know, Duluth, Moorhead, Rochester, those all proved to be strongholds for her. Um, Lewis picked up a lot of the outlying areas. And in a state like this, that winds up putting you pretty close. Let's pause. Talk more about the uh, presidential race with Joe Biden and Donald Trump. But uh, 30 minutes ago, CNN, AP called Wisconsin for the vice president. CBS and other outlets have confirmed that. So that is a rather significant change from about 12 hours ago. More on the presidential race with John and Pat in moments on CCO. We've got another eight minutes or so with uh, Pat Lopez and John Rash from the Star Tribune. All right, John. We have, um, you know, Fox News called Arizona early. Other outlets have not. The numbers are favorable for the vice president there, but we've watched things change. Nevada's still up in the air. Pennsylvania's still up in the air. Michigan's still up in the air. Where do you think we're headed the next 24 to 72 hours? That it's going to be even closer, if not confirmation, of a Biden presidency. But that, of course, may and probably will be contested by President Trump. How that happens and who, if anyone or any entity would take that up, remains to be seen. Some of the challenges are well within expected legal norms, such as it's because it's within 1% in Wisconsin. The Trump campaign has already indicated that they'd like a recount there. We'll have to see how the other states settle in with their relative uh, respective uh, laws that they have in terms of recounts. Minnesota has a tighter uh, constriction in terms of an automatic recount than Wisconsin may have, as an example. And so whether indeed the president can take this to the Supreme Court is quite unknown at this time, and what he would take to the Supreme Court is unknown at this time. What we're headed towards, though, is a few more days at minimum of uncertainty, and yet some things appear to be clear. If indeed he is elected, it seems likely that the Republicans will retain control of the Senate. So it will look to some degree like some of the years of the Obama administration, except for the first few when they had a majority and pushed through major legislation such as the Affordable Care Act. This is going to be a contentious uh, Congress and White House relationship if that indeed is the case. But Vice President Biden, of course, is a veteran of this, not just from his Obama administration years, but his decades in the Senate. So if there's anyone who at least can anticipate it and perhaps can maneuver within it, it could be him. But he's got to get there first, and there are a whole lot, a whole lot of more things have to happen at this point yes. for him to eventually be president. All right, Pat, take me through how you see the next uh, three days playing out. Well, I see that the absentee ballot vote in Pennsylvania is trending very heavily toward Biden. So um, that may move into his column. Michigan is also leaning that way. Um, the Trump uh, campaign is doing exactly what uh, they telegraphed ahead of the election. They're going to go to a legal uh, campaign now. They're going to sue in, uh, or they're going to um, ask for a recount in Wisconsin. They're going to sue in Michigan to stop uh, the vote counting because they claim that they haven't gotten enough access uh, to counting locations. 
Um, they'll probably take action in several other states. Uh, so even even if Biden is nominally declared the winner, um, we may have to wait for some of these court challenges to work themselves through. I will say that, you know, the president is getting a lot of pushback from uh, conservatives about his threat last night to take this to the U.S. Supreme Court. There's no immediate vehicle for it. You don't have sort of a direct move um, to the U.S. Supreme Court, not even for the president. So they may have to figure that out, uh, you know, if there is even a path for them to do that and whether they want to incur um, the ill will among conservatives that that uh, that may generate. Even Mitch McConnell has said that, um, you know, all of the votes need to be counted here and really, you know, seem to throw cold water on the idea of stopping uh, the vote count. So hopefully, you know, we may know even by today or tomorrow um, the total so far has showed that Biden has gotten more votes than any president in U.S. history, apparently. That may not be enough to secure this for him because it's still yep. all about the Electoral College. Yeah, John, it's an interesting combination. Yes, Biden has passed that. At the same time, Trump outperformed Trump in 16. Trump outperformed the polling. But I just want to stay with what Patricia said. When Donald Trump is telling the country last night, We won. The voting should stop. This is an an embarrassment for the country. It's it's both startling and not surprising, John, because he said all along, the only way I'm going to lose is massive fraud. And he's trying to convince his supporters that we never count votes after the night. And we've only been doing that. Decade after decade after decade. It was just a it was just a flat out lie by the president last night again. Tell you what was right. embarrassing was having him say that. Indeed, and and I think that it really needs to be noted that some of the states that are now counting absentee ballots are doing so because Republican led legislatures yes. would not allow pre counting as they have in so many states, including Minnesota, as an example, that in no way invalidates these votes. And by the way, there's no certitude that there aren't a remarkable number of Republican votes, you know, within there as well. We don't and are not supposed to openly disenfranchise people, especially when many were encouraged to vote via absentee ballot or other method because we're in a pandemic that is extraordinary lethality in this country at this point. So I think that even as you mentioned, Chad, so many Republicans have rallied around the idea of, no, we're going to count this and do it on a legitimate basis. And as Patricia rightly pointed out, there's not an immediate vehicle. It's not like going down and talking to Attorney General uh, Barr about, you know, what you want to have done legally. And even that, you know, it's been very untoward in terms of the relationship between within the administration there. But, you know, it has to rise to the level of the Supreme Court. And there's nothing so far that says that that indeed would happen. And if it does happen, then you have to analyze the case. And, you know, there's no guarantee, despite the conservative majority on the court, especially with the most recent appointment, that they indeed would favor, I think, that uh, that President Trump's position. I think they would take this very, very seriously and look at it as a, a part of their legacy and part of how they are viewed and their legitimacy in America as well. So we've got a long way to go. Yeah, it's Pat, just knowing, about 30 seconds, got a heart break. I want to give you the last It's noting that Arizona 
um, that even as Trump was calling for this, he wanted the voting of uh, the vote counting to continue in Arizona and was <laughs> contesting that being called. So as always, he is exactly. a bundle of contradictions in this statement. Yeah, uh, the con- it, it's simple. If it works for him, keep doing it. If it doesn't work for him, let's stop. It's, it's that's, simple. That's as that. the rule. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Appreciate it as Thank always. You. John Rash and Patricia Lopez from the Star Tribune.